You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. Roger, it is now 1994. Times are very different. The internet is barely, you know, starting to get people excited. We've got to go to the big screen, and all we have to do to rely on making that decision is posters and a trailer. Let's watch The Shawshank Redemption again. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard all the evidence. This was revenge. He fired the gun empty and then stopped to reload. You strike me as a remorseless man, Mr. Dufresne. I hereby order you to serve two life sentences back to back. I send you here for life. That's exactly what they take. I'm Mr. Norton, the warden. I believe in two things. Discipline and the Bible. Here you'll receive both. Why'd you do it? I didn't, since you asked. <laughs> you gonna fit right in. Everybody in here is innocent. Hey, well, what you in here for? Didn't do it. He had a quiet way about him. A walk and a talk that just wasn't normal around here. On the outside, I was an honest man. Straight as an arrow. I had to come to prison to be a crook. Ah! I think it would be fair to say I liked Andy from the start. Think you'll ever get out of here? I don't think so. Open this door! I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living, you get busy dying. There's something inside that they can't get to that's yours. What are talking about? Hope. Wow. Well, confession time for me, Roger. I saw The Shawshank Redemption very, very late. I didn't go to the cinema in 1994. I reckon I saw it on VHS cassette because we're back to the 90s. Uh, 98, 99, something like this. Yeah, I did go to the cinema to see it and thought it was um, really, really good. And maybe the reason I went to see it at the cinema was because I was going through a massive Stephen King fetish at the time. I'd read pretty much all Stephen King's books up until that point, and anything that came to the cinema, which was an adaptation of a Stephen King book, was always absolute must-see. Mm. Um, cinema for me so that was probably the reason I mean I, I I knew the film was coming I'd read the I mean it's not actually a book it's a it's a novella within a collection called different seasons and within different seasons there were four books four novellas all of which have been made into films now one of which was Stand By Me which is an incredible film of uh, again uh, uh, that we know about but Shawshank Redemption the the novella was called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. So it had an even sure. longer mm-hmm. title. But yeah, I knew it was coming. And when I went to the cinema, it was just, oh my goodness, this is such a good film. So 
if you've not seen the film, we're going to be ever so careful not to, you know, spoil it for you. But you must understand, despite the lukewarm reception, and we're going to study why that might be the case and what could have been done differently. We now know more than, you know, they did then. Because, I mean, we, we were approaching, think about it, it would be 2024, so it would be a 30-year anniversary of this film. People are still talking about it, people are still commenting about it, but the lesson that you get. But for me, it was it felt like an experience. I, 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 the, the storytelling was just exceptionally well-crafted. And I know it started from a novella, but I don't know how many pages that was. But, you know, Frank Darabont, the director, would have extended that to something reaching more than 20 pages or so. A full script with all the annotations and for me it was just cleverly told as a story particularly where whilst there is allegedly a main character everything is done via the other you could argue secondary character particularly Morgan Freeman it was also this idea of I'm, I'm watching something which is about lessons after lessons after lessons about life about destiny determinations and and also following your values and your own code, no matter what's happening around you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so multi-layered. As, as you say, the actual novella itself was written in the first person from the perspective of Red, just like the film okay. is narrated by Morgan Freeman's character Red. Um, whilst I guess the main protagonist, protagonist is Andy Dufresne, um, who was... Uh, Played by Tim, Tim, uh, Tim Robbins, of course, but yeah, the the the. I mean, it, the bottom line is, it's it's actually a relationship movie about men. I mean, it's set in a prison. All of the main characters are men. I mean, fa in fact, I think there are only two female characters in the entire film, and they can't be on the screen for more than a couple of minutes. Um, it is just totally male. Orientate. Now, I don't want that to put anybody off. Uh, it is it is a phenomenally deep film, and it it's a metaphor for so many things, Pascal. And if you you know, it's a metaphor for hope. Um, you know, the last lines of the of the book uh, are actually narrated as the last lines of the film. It's like, I hope I make it across the border. I hope I get to shake my friend's hand and I hope the Pacific Ocean is as blue as I dreamed it would be. And I mean, even you can tell by my voice, I'm starting to tear up just saying it to myself there. There's this huge thing about hope in there. But as we've always said today about consistency, it's also about playing a long game. This guy takes 20 years to escape from this prison. And, and I'm not going to ruin it for anybody who's not seeing seen the film to say how he manages to escape but it takes him 20 years to escape and that is incredible commitment and consistency but it's also from a business point of view a metaphor for having a goal and having a long-term vision for getting to that goal so yeah this this film has has got storytelling it's a masterclass in storytelling, but it's also a metaphor for for so many things. And I think right at the, you know, there's a quote which I'll actually read out from Tim Robbins. And he says, I believe part of the reason the movie is so important to people is that in a way it works as a whole for whatever your life is, no matter what your prison is, whether it's a job you hate, a bad relationship, 
that you're slogging through, whether your warden is a terrible boss or a wife or a husband, it holds out the possibility that there is freedom inside you and that at some point in life there is a warm spot on a beach that you, and we can all get there. But sometimes it takes a while. Mm. Yeah, do you know what? I think we should almost leave it there in terms of our commentary by the movie uh, because I don't think we could even match any equal that, and that's the way it should be. All I will say is, for me, it's also the parallel between Frank Darabont's and, to a point, Stephen King's determination to make this a visual and and kind of sound-based experience beyond the written work on, on, the, on, the, on the print press. Uh, there's also, of course, in itself, what this movie has done is exactly that. Here we are, short of, you know, a few, 30 years later, talking about it in such a positive way but the beginning just wasn't like that. So if we go back to 1994, um, a very busy year in terms of releases. It wasn't the only movie that people could choose to go and see. The timing as well was a bit off, you know, September, October-ish, nothing much happened just after the summer blockbusters, just before the, the, the Christmas one. I mean, if you look at the UK, it was released in February 95. Not exactly the movie you're going to see, go and see on the first date, you would, I would argue. <laughs> Not at all. And, and of course, it was up against the likes of Pulp Fiction, which yeah. is another legendary film. And, and Forrest Gump, I can't believe that that, that was the same year. Um, and, and it was, the, the critics loved it, um, but it was a bit of a bo box office bomb. You know, it just didn't put bums on seats. Um, one of the reasons why, again, maybe the, the trailer, the trailer didn't capture the depth of the storytelling that you would experience if you went to the to the the, the cinema to see it, maybe the the the, uh, the subject matter of of blokes in prison just didn't feel to be very attractive for people to go and see. I mean, you've already said it's not exactly a date movie, but you know it could be a date movie if you understood the themes of hope and the, the themes of consistency and, and all of that sort of thing. But I, I don't think that the trailers and even the um, the poster perhaps capture the depths that the film goes into. And, and even Morgan Freeman said that the name of the film, The Shawshank Redemption, is a bit of a, it's a, bit of a uh, tongue twister, isn't it? You can trip mm -hmm. over that. Um, and, you know, The Shawshank Redemption, it's not exactly Star Wars. It's not Pulp Fiction. It's not Forrest Gump. It's hard to say. You know, crikey, if they'd called it the, the name of the actual book, Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption, it might have been even worse. So, so I think that combined with the fact that it was um, up against pretty, you know, strong competition, I just think that there's no way they could have put a trailer together that could have done this film justice. We'll come back to that because I think I've, you and I can, having reviewed so many film marketing campaigns, but also because of our career in marketing, we have some options. But these were different times, and I think hopefully our suggestion won't come across as critiques. It's more, you know, we now know we know more now than we did then. So I think if you look about the history of the book, so '94, not not great, you know, that, that, that didn't work. '95 didn't start so well, and until the this the, that year's you know Oscars, so in '95, <laughs> surprising everybody, but because the critics, for once, were behind it more than the audience. Usually, you know, it's told stories where it's the other way. This movie was actually nominated for seven Academy Awards. So suddenly, yeah. people are thinking, what? Which which film is it? Because best picture, best adapted screenplay, best actor for Freeman, which is excellent, and all the others suddenly 
in one big event and all the, the before and during and after kind of um, promotional efforts for that 1995 Oscars, the movie is mentioned seven times. So encouraged by that, Warner Brothers and all the others re-released the movie at the theatres and we release it again on VHS and then we start to get it to have more, more momentum. Yeah, and and, I th- and that's when the film started to gather that momentum. And boy, did it gather momentum. I mean, it is, it's, it is now one of the most popular films of all time. In fact, I might be wrong, but I think I'm right in saying that the Internet Movie Database is probably, they voted it the all-time classic film um, of all time. Indeed, yeah. Uh, so that just goes to show how incredible it is. And I think that... This is one of those films where if you don't know if you don't know about the film and you saw the poster or you saw the trailer, you probably wouldn't go and see it. But once you've gone to see it, you understand what the fuss is all about. And, and that just goes to show how hard marketing can be, whether it's a film, whether it's a product, whether it's a service. You have got that obstacle to get over, to get people to try out what it is that you offer and if your marketing isn't up to it they may never get the opportunity to sample what you're offering and they may not come to love what you're offering indeed so 95 we have a, a let's call it a pr boost it's followed mm. a, a later on by you know channels like bravo and tnt and so on who are buying the rights to screen or showcase those movies and you keep getting the VHS market you know the rental market first then the purchase market and so on but more importantly anyone who have seen you know Shawshank Redemption will take and tell another 10 people and this is the ultimate example of watermath marketing in action because again we don't have the might of the internet the way it is I discovered recently someone did some research because again this movie is such an inspiration for so many different people that in the around 2010 so we are literally 15 years late later one in five households had a copy of the film that's UK data data one that's in five in, that's incredible. <laughs> and it, it, it's interesting as well I, one of the things that I have uh, noticed about a lot of the films that we've reviewed and talked about the marketing on this show is that quite a lot of the best films of all time struggled to actually get off the ground in the first place and you know Darabont really wanted to make this film, but even Stephen King, you know, couldn't envisage how a film could be made out of this out of the story. As I say, it's a novella, and it was mainly narrated by Morgan Freeman's character in the book. And there is not that level of vivid storytelling in the book as there is in the film. This is definitely one of those examples of a film which is many, many, many times better than the mm. book and with Stephen King you know there's been a, quite a lot of disappointing films made of very good Stephen King books here's an example of a film which is many many times better than the source material but again I think Darabont just had that sort of dog with a bone obsession with getting this script written and brought to the screen and in that script as we've already said is multi-layered and there is the the absolute gold that made this film what it is I would want to go back then, if I could, you know, if I was sat in that room in, in 90, well, 93, I would imagine, before they released the movie, with the knowledge, appreciation that we have today, which is, of course, very, very unfair, 
I would say you need more than one trailer. So a trailer per target audience, depending on yes. if you have, you know, the Stephen King kind of aficionados like you, you've got, um, I wouldn't say it's a family movie, so you've got to be careful, but certainly, you know, diff- different groups. I think for me, uh, as I re- remember now, you know, in 94, 95, the poster was what turned me off, actually. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what is interesting, now that I've seen the film, I know the movie like you so, so well, it's it's a, it's a fantastic image. It's actually the right image, but but also if you look, some of you can go online and see. If you look at the calligraphy that they've chosen, it feels very religious as well in its in its yeah, tonality, it and of course the image is 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 that. So I, uh, you know, between the trailer and basically the poster, I went. I'm not going to see a semi-religious movie about someone mm-hmm. discovering God whilst being imprisoned, uh, I'll, I'll pass. And, and of course, years later, with the VHS cassette, I was like, oh, I was wrong, but I, no, I was wrong. I was kind of misinformed or misunderstood the, the key messages. So again, maybe different posters. For me, it's back to some of the things we discussed, you and I, they are also, or didn't lean on their kind of USBs. You know, what's the differentiator? Well, it's based on the Stephen King novella. We don't know that either from the trailer or from the poster. And I know that Frank Darabond had just began, you know, launching his career, but still the man who wrote, you know, essentially many movies we've seen so far and on its way to late, years later to the Green Mile, the mist that we've reviewed here, and of course, The Walking Dead. So, what are the the hooks and they're not using them i know they're mentioning morgan freeman and tim robbins but i don't think that was enough no and and of course up until then stephen king was mainly known for horror mm. you know outright horror the shining uh q joe um the the um uh all uh, salem's lot the vampires and on all of that whereas this I mean, there's some horrific content, quite. Yeah. But there's no, there's no supernatural horror. There's no, um, you know, medieval horror. There's no monster horror. This is just humans experiencing human emotions in horrifying situations. So again, I, I, you know, they could have played upon that. You know, this is the first of Stephen King's non-horror films, but they they obviously took the decision not to. One of the things that I was fascinated to find out when I um, did the research for this was that Tom Cruise got as far oh, okay. as doing a table read for the part that um, uh, Andy Dufresne, that Tim Robbins eventually got. And the reason that Tom Cruise actually turned it down in the end was that he didn't think that he would he wanted to be associated with the first time director like Frank Darabont. In fact, he said at the time that he would do the film if the director was Rob Rayner. Now, ironically, Rob Rayner was the director of Stand By Me, which was also based upon the novella The Body, which was also in the same collection of short stories as Shawshank Redemption, which again, I think is quite an interesting coincidence. But Rob Rayner had the good grace to say, no, this is Frank Darabont's baby. He wants to do it. He's written the script. He wants to direct it. And Rayner said, I'm not going to make any uh, ructions here. And Tom Cruise walked. And, you know, again, wow, such a big star passed up the opportunity to be in what has now turned out to be one of the best films of all time. And, you know, that, that's actually maybe a hint about what happened then. And we can only, you know, make uh, kind of get, guess at it. But Perhaps they say, well, if we have the word, you know, the, the name Tom Cruise on a poster, 
mm. all is well, uh, as in the marketing campaign is done. And and I think because I didn't. And by the way, I think uh, I think Tim Robbins is far far better. With hindsight, as ever, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, I think would have been a very, very different experience, because I think what Tim Robbins could sell was actually how vulnerable the character is, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, and but also back to this idea of there's a vision, there's a plan, there's a goal, and I would not let you know ex- external factors such as even the brutality of you know the the prison officers and and the warden. I mean, the actor played superbly, but. God, probably one of the most hated character uh, I can think of. So, you know, I'm not changing my approach just because the others around me are misbehaving or being cruel. Mm-hmm. But, but I think mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's maybe it's that, which is there was maybe a, a different drive, different things. It is very possible as well that with respect to Warner Brothers and the marketing team at the time, they just didn't know what they had, but not well yeah. explained to them. or Because when you look at the trailer uh, again and again, you kind of go, well, Compared to the movie itself, there's a complete disconnect as far as I can tell. Um, I get the poster because it's almost, uh, you, know, you get more from the poster once you've seen the film. Um, but yeah, so so much that um, we can explore, you know, or 30 years later. Now, for the 25th anniversary, there was a anniversary screening kind of almost event around the world. You know, cinemas got together with different brands and so on. So we, we can look forward to and hope that in 2024 there'll be something very similar yeah at least an ultra 4k uh, box set <laughs> uh, to look forward to uh, but yeah i mean again I, I, as i said to you i was i was tearing up just reciting lines from the book um, earlier on and i did watch a couple of clips last night just to prepare for this i didn't watch the whole movie because i have seen it so many times but that scene at the end of the movie, and again, I'm not going to ruin it uh, for people who haven't seen it, but I cannot watch that last scene without that amazing rush of... It, it, the tears aren't sad tears, they're, they're happy tears of hope. Mm. And, you know, we are living in a world at the moment where there are some pretty horrendous things happening. And, and a movie like this, which really does have such an uplifting uh, narrative and that uplifting ending, it, it, it's just... It, it does feel so good to have that hope that this film brings you absolutely for me when i look back at it you know because you can reflect on it and see things that perhaps even the director himself didn't plan for this idea of storytelling is about a world that's been disrupted by the introduction of a new character you know the, the rider that comes into town so we have Tim Robbins entering the prison universe and literally like a shockwave changes everything, changes people, changes obviously rules, uh, managed to even get the warden uh, obviously uh, come to justice and so on. But actually, you know, you could argue that he is the one to save, you know, Red mm. in, in the end. They probably saved each other. But this idea of friendship again, which has been almost a running theme through through today, this idea of no matter what the world is throwing at you, what individual attempt to do to you, you know what's right for you. You know how to behave in society and beyond, and you mustn't deviate from that. And and I think this message, Finish, you mentioned that. You know, I was reflecting this 2022 movie from 1994, and it's so incredibly relevant. Um, you did the research. Thank you very much for this one. And you also spotted a quote from Mark Commode from back in 2004. Do you want to read the first kind of couple of sentences for us? 
Yes. Now, in, interesting, again, that we, we were talking about Mark Commode earlier, but he says, like most who reviewed the Shawshank Redemption when it was first released in 1994, I was impressed, but I had no idea just how important the film would become to some audiences. Certainly, I couldn't predict that in a few years' time, it would be voted best film of the 90s and fourth best film of all time by the readers of Empire magazine, that it would rival The Godfather, the aforementioned Godfather, and Star Wars for the top spot of the Internet Movie Database subscribers poll. So, of course, when Frank Darabont, Warner Brothers, and and the financiers released the movie '94, they wanted a coup. They wanted to recoup their money within the space of a few months. What they got instead is a twenty-five year to thirty-year marketing campaign with yes. literally the internet-based, you know, watchers and viewers, but also before them the VHS and the DVDs. So they got more than what they were hoping for despite the initial disappointment. Yeah, and, and, and Camone goes on to say, against all industry expectations, a film which had, in effect, been rejected by audiences in cinemas was rapidly shaping up as a home movie hit with both men and women. So what was happening? Ask any video dealer and they will tell you that the key factor in Shawshank's unexpected success on tape was simply word of mouth. Renters who had given the film a wide berth in cinemas were now taking Shawshank Redemption home on the recommendation of friends and family, increasing numbers of whom were having profound, even life-changing experiences with the movie. Repeat viewing was a big factor too, with fans coming back to rent the same film time and time again, developing an intense personal relationship with the themes and characters in the comfort of their own home. Absolutely. And do you know, that's also sometime where business leaders, let's take it back to our world of marketing where the expectation for the fast results, so you published something yesterday, where are the results, show me the analytics and so on. And you know, all of us could be surprised. I hear all the time from my customers, oh, this blog post from a year ago is doing well right now. What a surprise. Or oh, that YouTube videos from two years ago that frankly I put so much effort in and I was heartbroken is now doing well audiences will always surprise us. And, and I think there will be times where you would get quick results and all the time would be much longer. And it's actually in the mix of that. So in the case of Frank Darabont, I can now look consider that he's going to say, I had the quick, fast return on investment from Walking Dead, for sure. But I also had the long run you know, of 23 years of approval literally across the board from you know this movie and i think that's what i'm also taking away which is you have to have a very very diverse range of content format length and and more but also different ways in which you know different lifespan and different ways in which people are reacting to it absolutely right and that long game mm. Thank you so much, Roger, for choosing this film for this week. I mean, we could keep talking about it uh, even more, but I think we might veer towards spoiling it for those who have not seen it, which is also the, the pleasure of this movie. Others will discover this for the very, very first time, and, and I, I'm sure they will be as, as moved as um, uh, you are every time, particularly near the end. For all of you, this was episode 72. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Thank you to Roger for being an amazing co-host. Until the next one, please go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. I was Pascal Fintoni and he was Roger Edwards.
Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.